say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new direction. Yes, it's a special show. If you're tuning in with us right now, I have the Breton Breton Putter with me, and I'm going to tell you, Breton Putter has written this great, amazing book on company culture. All right, we don't talk about it. We should be talking about it, but he's going to talk about it with us today. So I'm telling you right now. You need to call your boss, you need to call your managers, you need to listen, you need to call your friends because we're going to talk about his book, Culture Decks Decoded, Transforming Your Culture into a Visible, Conscious, and Tangible Asset. And we're going to talk about company culture and the importance. If you're an entrepreneur, I am telling you right now, you need to listen to the show a hundred thousand times because Breton is going to enlighten you about your culture that you're developing as an entrepreneur. If you have been in business for a thousand years, and congratulations for making it to a thousand, you're going to want to listen to the show because you need to probably take another look at your company culture. If you do not have a company culture, or you don't think you do, promise I promise you you do. You're going to want to look at it. So I'm telling you, get yourself ready to go because we're going to do that. But we're going to do what we do every time we get together, and that's we're going to check in with the four areas of your life because that's what we do here, right? So, right, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, we like to check in. So on a scale of one to ten, one being miserable, ten being outstanding, where are you at physically? Where are you at? Are you a three, four, or five? Are you doing the right things? Are you eating right? Right. I know it's hard, right? We, we the holiday season. It can be a little difficult to eat right and, and and say no to the to the pies and the cakes and the other desserts. I know that's a little harder. Saying no to that, you know, maybe extra glass of wine. That can be a little tough to do too. But are you getting some exercise? Are you doing things that you should be doing? Are you getting to the gym? A lot of people like to get to the gym a little extra. So where are you on that scale? And remember, the whole point is. I'm not trying to get you from a three to a 10. I just want you to try to get from a three to a four. So what do you got to do, wherever that number is for you, what do you have to do to get yourself one step better, right? Maybe it is just saying no to a few things that you just, you know, get let do at this time of year. All right, let's move on to the mental side. On a scale of one to 10, one being bad, 10 being great, where are you at mentally? And you say, well, what do you mean by mentally? Well, what are you filling your mind with? Right? There's two sides of our brain. We're left side and we're right side brain, right? So the right side of our brain is creative and the left side of our brain is more logical. And I, you know, me as a psychological professional, I am so, I am so convinced that we got to work both sides of our brain. We, we need to be creative and we need to be logical. We need to work both sides of that. So what are you reading? What are you ingesting? You know, you know me, I love reading books. And I love being entertained and I play some instruments on the side. So I'm trying to work both sides of my brain. Perhaps you're doing that. Maybe you're learning a new language. Maybe you're doing none of it, right? Because you, you feel like, you know, you just don't have the energy. Folks, do you understand that the mental side of who you are is the one area? I don't care whatever happens to you physically. The mental side of you can always be improved. Always. You can always grow mentally. Right? It's, it's, it's your choice if you want to do that. So where are you at in that scale? All right. Good. Got it? All right. So let's go to number three. Where are you at emotionally? And when I mean emotionally, 
what I mean is how in control are you and your emotions? Look, we're in a very busy time of year. And you know, most of us Americans, right? Because I can't speak for other countries, but most of us Americans, we get all wrapped up and we wait till the last minute and we procrastinate with our gifts. And then we get all in a hurry to get somewhere and somebody cuts us off and our emotions explode and we start using hand gestures, right? And the fact of the matter is, okay, well, that's probably not being in the best control of your emotions, right? And emotional intelligence is extraordinarily important, right? Because the more you can control your emotions, right, the better able you are to emotionally relate to others. And by the way, that's intention, right? So you need to be intentional about how you deal with your emotions. You know, I've heard some people say, well, you just got to let it all out. Well, that's actually not true. Psychologists have told us for years now that, you know what? Holding it in actually can be better for you, is better for you than trying to get it out. The angrier you spew, the angrier you get. That's actually the truth. There is none, there, there, there is no, you know, if I let my anger out, then I'm a happier person. Actually, it doesn't work that way. The angry, the more angry things you say, the angrier you get. So controlling that emotion is so critical and imperative. So you got that number? Okay, so you got three numbers, right? Your physical, your mental, emotional. Now, how about spiritually where you're at? And you go, well, what do you mean spiritually? Well, I mean, spiritually, what I mean is, what do you believe about other things that you can't explain in science or, or, or life, right? I mean, some people connect with nature. Some people believe in karma. Some people believe in God. Right. I mean, and and some people believe in themselves. They believe that they are their own God. Right. What do you believe in that 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 you can't necessarily explain, but you know that there are things out there that are outside of you. Right. Because I you know that you can't explain everything in science. It's not possible. Right. And in a scale of one to ten, how are you doing in that spiritual area? You know, what gives you a sense of peace and a sense of joy? I'm not talking about happiness. Here, I'm talking about something that puts you in a, in, a, in a state of peace where regardless of what's going on in your circumstances, you still feel like you're centered. That's what I'm talking about spiritually. And if it happens to be God, how's that going for you on a scale of one to ten? All right, so you've got four numbers, right? You've got your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Think of them as a table, right? And those are the four legs of the table, right? If, if the, all the numbers are low, it's pretty hard to eat in a normal chair, isn't it? If if the numbers are off where the table's tilted, well, the plate's going to slide off the table, isn't it? So the goal here is to get an even table and get it to the appropriate level. And that's as close to a 10 as we can probably get. So check in with yourself. Uh, check in. Got your numbers. But um, today I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to help you. I think you're going to get, I'm pretty sure you're going to get an emotional boost. I guarantee you're going to get a mental boost. I think you're even going to get a little bit of a spiritual boost from this guest that I'm about to introduce to you. And I and you know what? Maybe even something physically, because you're probably going to do something about what you're going to do. His name is Breton Putter, and Breton is a leading expert on startup and high-growth company culture. He's consulted many companies and leaders worldwide on how to leverage culture to prepare for and execute rapid scale. After 16 years as the managing partner of an international executive search firm, where he has basically served C-suite people, right? CFOs, CEOs, uh, CTOs, vice presidents, directors for over 400 startups and high growth companies. Breton realized the single best driver of the most successful hires was how well the company had defined and understood its culture. Brett is the founder and CEO of Culture Gene, which I think is brilliant, by the way. 
uh, a company culture consultancy writes a popular blog on culture-driven companies is a sought-after speaker and contributor to Forbes and his name is Brett and Putter and you can find more about him at brettandputter.com that's b-r-e-t-t-o-n-p-u-t-t-e-r.com and he is brought to us today by inline business and brokers so if you're looking to buy or sell a business check out inline business and brokers.com that's inline e-n-l-i-g-n dot com and so now without further ado ladies and gentlemen please welcome author speaker uh ceo of culture gene breton putter breton welcome to the show really really great to be on the show thanks very much i i love what you're doing and um i was just thinking that um your four your four pillars of the of the, the four the legs of the table are um, quite similar to a number of pillars that I've come across in, in business. And I, I love the, um, the way that you describe you can't sit at the table if you don't do it properly. <laughs> yeah, if the, table's, if the table's skewed, it's hard to eat the plate. If the table's too low, it's still hard to eat, right, and, and be healthy. So, you know, the healthiest place is if the table's level and it's at the right, it's at the right heights for us. So... Breton, I want to, by the way, everybody, you need to know that Breton is in Romania right now. How cool is this? And, but Breton is from Great Britain um, in England. And, oh, by the way, I need to say this because I just recently found out that one of the most listened to a, a city that listens to me in England is Merton. So people in Merton, thank you so much for downloading the show. I am so awesome. grateful. I am so grateful for you. People, you you listen to the show, and there's about, uh, I think there's about five or six cities that regularly download my show, and I am so grateful to you. So, people in Merton, I I've never been there, but I'm telling you, you've just made my bucket list. I want to go to Merton. <laughs> I want to meet you people, and maybe we could go somewhere and maybe get together, and have a drink, and have and enjoy that conversation. Uh, yeah, so Breton, you need to know that um, I do have I have listeners from great from GB and in in England, and Merton is my number one listened to city in England. That's re really really great. Um, I'm not surprised because you are you know, hitting the nail on the head with uh, um, a lot of what you have to say. So uh, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. So one of the things that I don't think we understand very well, I, I think we I think some companies do, but I. I you know, I work as a consultant like you do with many companies, and one of the things I do run into is this idea of company culture. You know, what's the culture of that company? And you wrote this book that I'm holding up for people who are watching on Facebook Live, uh, Culture Decks Decoded, uh, by the way, which you can get on Amazon. And by the way, it's brilliantly priced, uh, under $20, and so I think this is a great Christmas gift if you're thinking of a last-minute gift. And you've got somebody who's a CEO or something like that, please purchase this book. Uh, and I, I know when you're looking at this book, it's a large book and I saw it too. And I was a little taken aback, but then I realized he had literally taken slide share decks and he had literally put them in the book and he needed to make the book bigger in order for you to read the slide share decks and, um, just brilliantly done. So company culture, what, what is that, Breton? Well, Jay, the way I look at company culture is very simple. It's the way we do things around here. So it's something that that develops and evolves over time. Let's say you start a business and there's two or three co-founders. You hire a bunch of people and, and you're all sitting around the same table. You've got a certain culture. Then you go to the business and the business grows to 20 or 25. The culture changes because 
the business is growing, the way you work, the way we're working around here changes and so on. So culture essentially is the way we work around here. It's, it's, it comes from the founders, it comes from the initial team, and then it evolves and grows based on how the team learn to make a success and to, to achieve success and based on the people that you bring into the company over time. So one of the things that I, when I'm re, when I read this book and I love the book and, but you will too, people, I'm just telling you, you'll love this book. One of the things when I read this book that really got me thinking, I can't remember which company it was right now, but one of the companies defined culture or not defined it, but said about culture in the company, you have one, you just may not know it. But everybody's got a culture. Whether you, whether you set out to specifically define it or not, you have created a culture. True? Absolutely true. The, the culture forms when you know, two people start even talking about the idea. The key aspect about culture is it's either a potential liability if you don't define it, if you don't start to understand it, or it's an asset. So the companies that have defined their culture and actually gone to the work of writing a great culture deck are the ones who really understand this is an asset that we can leverage in our, in our organization. And I, Jay, I'm sure you saw on the first couple of pages of my book, there's a quote. Um, and essentially, it's, it's the fact that um, company culture is the one sustainable competitive advantage that a CEO has complete control over. Right. Yes. And that yeah, and that really is the, the, the essence of culture because everything else, your competition can impact you uh, negatively. But with your own culture, that's under your control as the CEO. You, you know, what, what it, yes, and I, and I wanted to say something about that piece too is because I believe I'm a firm believer in culture sets the tone for the company. And, and the, the clearer you define that culture, I, and, I, and I pulled this from your book, I think, too, the clearer you, that you are defining that culture, it sets everything else down the line from that, you know, whether it's how you hire, what your mission is, right? I mean, it, it's, the, it's the tone setter. Completely true. It's, the way I look at, at culture is it's what's inside all of us if we're in a company together it's it's how it's it's the way we breathe um which sets the tone for how we run how we walk how we talk you know if we if we breathe really quickly from our chest then we're we're, we're you know we're talking very quickly and versus if you breathe from the bottom of your stomach you've got more tone you've got more and that's the way i look at culture because culture as really the fundamentals of values mission and vision and if you look at those values, mission, and vision, and then roll that out across the company by defining it, then you have control and you have lever leverage over your culture. And, and here's what I found interesting. When you, when you were writing the introduction of the book, you said that there's three types of probably CEOs or people, who, owners, when it comes to culture that you've run across. The, the first one, and just to remind you, the first one who doesn't want to waste their time, basically. The, the, sec yep. the second one it finds it important, doesn't know how to get it started. And then 
I, the third person is the one who knows that they, they're doing something about it. Is that, did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And why would somebody, help me understand this, because you've, you've studied this so thoroughly. Why would somebody believe that culture is not worth investing their time in? I know it's, it sounds surprising um, because we think a lot, you and I both think a lot about company culture, but there are, there are people who don't, first of all, they don't have the time because they're too busy. And secondly, they, they don't know how to access it. So culture is this intangible, subconscious, invisible, amorphous mass of stuff. And it seems to just happen. So let's just carry on with what we're doing. And those people don't, don't have the mental um, wherewithal and capacity to go and think, okay, I really need to understand this thing because it's such a great asset to my business. They just think I have the, you know, I've met some CEOs who say, you know, I'll just, it's my, it's, it's who I am. So, and I don't care. I'm just going to drive the business. You know, I'm just going to be myself. Right. And, and to be honest, they're forming a culture. And if they hire people subconsciously who fit into that culture, then, you know, there are a lot, there, there are a, a number of, you know, there, there are a bunch of companies that succeed without going through this process, but they aren't the, the, of defining, but they aren't the companies that really extract the most opportunity and value from, from their, um, uh, from their business model. Mm. We're talking with Brett and Brown, Brett and Brown, Brett and Putter. Sorry. I just had Ben Brown and I've got Brett and Putter here now. So, uh, Brett and Putter and his book, Culture Decks, holding it up right here on so everybody could see it. Decode Culture Decks Decode and Transform Your Culture into a Visible, Conscious, and Tangible Asset. Uh, Bretton uh, has written this book brilliantly. It's beautifully well done. It's going to be an it's going to be an invaluable tool to you. I'm just telling you that this book is is going to be great for your company. I don't care if your company's been around forever. If you're starting a new company, this book is perfect. It is on Amazon. It is priced less than twenty dollars. I'm telling you, buy buy one for your your management team, buy one for your C-suite team, get them to start looking at all these other cultures. I mean, he's talking about cultures like the culture with Netflix, LinkedIn, uh, uh, Nanigans, uh, Nordstrom, for some of those, these are some names that maybe you heard of Hub, Hub, uh, Hub, HubSpot, right? Resident that HubSpot? You have in there too? Yeah, HubSpot, Hootsuite, Hootsuite. Uh, yeah. Patreon, Valve. Right. I've, I've done a deep dive into a whole lot of these. Yeah, Asana, eShares. So that this he's covering, he's done a lot of research of what they do. And he makes a point of saying in this book, and, and I hate stealing your thunder, but it's just such a great point. You don't have, if you buy the book, you don't have to recreate the wheel. <laughs> I mean, it's just, the, 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 <laughs> if you buy the book, you can get all the ideas right from his book to create your culture because it's so beautiful. Well, Bretton Putter today is brought to us by inline business business brokers and advisors. Are you a business owner? At some point, you're going to need the services of an experienced business broker. So selling your business is a huge monumental decision. Make sure you build your deal team, starting with the experts at inline business brokers and advisors. You can learn more online at inline.com. That's www.enlign.com. Com and they are sponsoring Bretton Putter and his book, Culture Decks Decoded. So, Bretton, you did clearly a lot of research in regard to the, some of the companies we talked about, LinkedIn, HubSpot, 
Hootsuite, Nordstrom, and looked at their SlideShare decks of their culture. Is there one, Netflix too, by the way, is there one company that you went, man, this is a wow. They, they, they really wowed me. Is there, one, is there one or maybe two? Maybe there's two or three. Yeah, they, they, there are a couple. Um, I, I like Netflix because they are the original, you know, they're the granddaddy of this. Um, Reed Hastings posted um, his document online in 2009, and since then he's got 18 million views on SlideShare. Hmm. Um, and it's very comprehensive. It's brilliantly written. I also like Patreon. Um, uh, they've, they've done a great job of really being specific about how they work and their mission, how they help creators create and HubSpot who you mentioned earlier, do they've got, they've got a very nice mix of, um, humility, humor, and, um, deliberate means of, of communicating. So a, a good example is when HubSpot when public uh, they had to um because they were now they were going public you can only share a certain amount of information with a certain number of people uh, who are officially designated to receive that information which costs money and so hubspot said no no, no hold on we share everything with everybody in our company and the the, the lawyer said no you can't do that he said no we, we have to how do we do it and he said well it's going to cost you money but you've got to designate everybody in your company. So they said, we don't care, we'll do it. So they invested millions of dollars in designating every single employee as able to receive all the information about the company. And that just is, it's such a powerful message about transparency and such a powerful message about how the company works. So I love HubSpot, uh, Patreon, Netflix, and the last one that I would sort of flag up is Valve, the mm -hmm. gaming company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, they got such a great, great personality, such great humor. Uh, you know, those are the four that really stand out for me. So I, I want to, first of all, th this whole culture thing, right, which th this company culture, which I know that we do not spend nearly enough time really talking about. And I think here in the States, especially, that we can be a little... I don't, I don't know what the word is, but we can, we, we, we can sometimes focus on the P&L portion so much that we don't really understand that by defining our culture, we actually affect our bottom line. And, and you talked about that a little bit. So discuss that a little further, how defining your culture affects your bottom line. Yeah, so a really good example of this is a, is a business called Bridgewater Associates, and they don't have a culture deck. Uh, that I'm aware of uh, or that's been shared. But Bridgewater are the largest, most successful hedge fund in the world. And Ray Dalio is the founder and, and um, co-chairman and co-investment CIO. And um, Ray uh, specifically states that the culture is the reason for the success of the business. They're two, they manage over $200 billion dollars. Oh, really simply because their culture is designed to in, to question everything. So it's a, it's a tough culture to work in. It's not a place that I would like to work in. Right. But if you're designed like that and you are open to being asked questions all the time about your, your personal weaknesses, 
the weaknesses in your thinking process mm. and how you could get better. It's all about the culture. Then you should, then you can go and work at Bridgewater, but it's, it's a really clear example of the success driven, you know, culture driven success. Um, and actually, even in, even in companies that don't have clearly defined cultures, their culture is still driving their success or failure. Sure, sure. You, you know, I found Netflix to say, you know be very similar. Netflix, when you were talking about Netflix, you pointed out in their culture slides uh, from the very get-go. They're, I mean, I, I think the first slide basically is, we are a team, we are not a family. <laughs> you you're gonna get fired <laughs> i mean literally right i mean it was like i mean it was like either you are we are a professional team we will cut you in a heartbeat if you do not meet if you do not are unable to meet within this the culture that we have an expectation for that's exactly right so so they define their culture as a combination of freedom and responsibility, which is the, the yin and the yang, the freedom to do what you need to do to succeed, but the responsibility to succeed. And the outcome of that is excellence. And the way they look at it is their, their, their company is as a pro sports team. And if you think of any pro sports team, any NFL team, um, any of those pro sports team, if you, if you do not stay at the top of your game, they're gonna let you go in that sports team. And Netflix, are exactly the same. They expect excellence. They have a, a very interesting um, uh, culture initi initiative that they run for their management team. So if, if you're a manager, um, you're asked a question every so often when you do a, a personal review. And that question is, if this, if, if this person were to go and leave to jo join a similar company with a similar position, how hard would you fight to keep them? And if the answer is, I would fight tooth and nail to keep them, if that's not your answer, if you go, well, I'm not sure I'd, I'd fight to keep them, then, you, then that person's let go oh, immediately. Wow. Wow. So It's called the keeper's test, literally within the company. It's called the keeper's test. So we have, we have some managers currently listening to the show. I could see them um, on, uh, on the Facebook live feed. And... I, it, maybe this is a good question you need to answer <laughs> for yourself, management managers. You know, if somebody if somebody came up to you and said, "Ask that question," you know, if this person were to go somewhere else, how hard would you fight for them? Maybe you got your answer right because I mean, there was one slide that I and I agree with this philosophy: philosophy, fire fast, hire slow. And I can't remember was it a sauna? I can't remember who it yeah. was. I think it was a sauna. And they were fire fast, hire slow. And I happen to agree with that philosophy because the fact of the matter is there's nothing more draining on your company than somebody, than one person that is not doing what they're supposed to do. And there's no reason to hire somebody right away to replace that because you, the, the truth of the matter is you need to find the right person. Otherwise you're going to probably be stuck with the same one. I, I found that whole thing with Netflix to be it was it was both frightening and at the same time it was okay but if you're the right person it's a great fit for you it could be a great fit mm -hmm. isn't that the point of the culture in general that's exactly the point and, and that's the point of a good culture deck a good culture deck is either frightening or liberating and it's either magnetic um, 
attractive or magnetic repulsive. And that's what a good culture deck is. If you, if you go, if you think you're going to go and join Netflix or net or um, Asana or HubSpot and you read that deck and you go, Oh no, hold on a minute. I don't like this. This makes me feel uncomfortable. Then you're going to self select out. I'm out of this, you know, no, no, no interest at all. And that's the, the one of the main powerful tools uh, effects of these tools, because People will read the deck and go, yeah, that's exactly the right thing for me. And and but the, and that could be liberating. You know, they could have worked in a place where they were micromanaged, where mm. they had no freedom, they had no responsibility. And all of a sudden, a company like Netflix says, look, go and do what you need to do to make this work. Mm. And that's that's a completely, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to grow and develop and learn about yourself and who you are. Yeah, yeah and I get it. Right. And I think some people will read that would read some of these culture decks and go, oh, this company is miserable because then, you know, you look at LinkedIn, right, as a company and you see their culture deck and you want to talk about a happy, friendly, you know, who doesn't want to work at LinkedIn? I mean, exactly. it's, it's kind of like, come on, if you if you could be if you could be creative and forward thinking and and you want to, you know, and you want to be part of something bigger than you are and. You want to watch us grow. We are for you. Come on, come on, come on. We want energetic, high energy. I mean, that's what I got from the, the when I was reading the, the slides, I was like going, it's high energy, it's energy, creativity. Well, let's have some fun together. Let's be a let's be a team and let's be even more than a team. Let's be somebody and I'm like, oh wow, that was that's attractive. And then somebody will look at Netflix and go, Whew, whew, that's pretty rough. I don't know if yeah. I can handle that. But that's that's the point, isn't it, of culture? That's exactly the point, and that's the point of the culture deck. A great culture deck describes that. You know, if you, I'm sure you 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 recall from looking at the valves, they weren't really slides, but more from their manifesto. You know, if you go and join Valve, they don't give you, they don't tell you who you're working for, they don't tell you where you're working, they they just tell you go and find your way. Right, right. So, you know, so, so day one, you walk in and you're expecting, no, they don't onboard you. They don't tell you anything. You're just going to work things out for yourself. I love, I love <laughs> and, I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but it's beautiful. It, exactly. And if you're the kind of person who needs structure and process and you, you need your hand held, hell no, you're not going to go work at all. <laughs> no, but you know what, think, I, I, you know, I think about that because there's, because you know some people want some structure right but this is a company that goes no 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 because the people that are going to survive here are the ones that take initiative on their own that's the culture they, they took they, they they took because what we're looking for is we're looking for, they don't come right out and say it but they it is the person who takes initiative finds their place and is and then runs and and is is willing to run hard and and I was like, and I think that's the beautiful thing about the cultures and the, the the cultures of these different companies. And I, and the more I kept reading through every one of these companies that you so brilliantly uh, put together here in your book, uh, the book is entitled Culture Decks Decoded, uh, Transform Your Culture into a Visible, Conscious, and Tangible Asset, available on Amazon. We're talking with Brett and Potter. The beautiful thing that I saw as I w was reading through all these cultures is I was like going, man, there's, you know what? Company cultures are like countries. They're, they're, they're all unique, aren't they? They're, they're all, there's something unique about the language. There's something unique about the, 
the unwritten rules, the norms and the expectations when you start looking at these companies. And, you know, the, the beauty of understanding and being clear about your culture, and we touched on this earlier, but is that everything, I, I just want to go through this. Can I do this for you so that people kind of, if you start with a clear culture, let me tell you what falls out of this, your mission, your vision, your history, your values, the way we work around here, um, onboarding, diversity, inclusion, failure, talent, transparency, feedback, employee benefits, making a difference, and then bonuses, other things, right? All starts with culture. None of that happens without a culture. None of it. And, and it never dawned on me that all these things, all these things fall out once you have clearly defined your culture. How did we miss that? Well, this is the this is the great thing about it. There are there are companies that have some of these things, but they haven't thought about it and they haven't looked at how they all come together in this in this unique way. And the question that managers and CEOs need to really ask themselves fundamentally is if my competition have a culture deck and I don't have a culture deck, mm. what does that say about my company? What is the how how are people, partners, investors, you know, acquirers of my company, what are they thinking? If, if it's a like-for-like like situation and one company has worked harder on their culture, the guys from N-Line are going to tell you, I want to work with the company that's worked on their culture because we then know how to fit their culture with the acquirer's culture or their culture with the, the, the acquisition culture. So, you know, the guys at Enline are, going to, are certainly going to tell you, you know, we want to know about your culture because we then can work harder for you to find you the right fit. Right. And that's the comparison that you have to think about. Does my company have a culture? Yes. Is it defined? Is there a culture deck out there? No. My competition has one. Wow. They're, they're, they look better. They may not be better than us, but they look better than us. Mm. It's very... It's a very powerful tool. It, it is powerful. We're talking with Bretton Putter, and he wrote this amazing book called Culture Decks Decoded. And uh, we're talking with him about company culture, and he so brilliantly brings up our sponsor, who's sponsoring him in, this, in a new direction, Inline Business and Brokers Advisors. And they have helped literally thousands. I'm not making this up, folks. They have literally helped thousands of clients in the sale and purchase of businesses here in the U.S. When it's time to sell your business, I'm telling you, contact the professionals. It's Jeff Snell is the owner and CEO of Enline, and his folks are brilliant. Uh, I've, I've, I've watched him do what he does. He does it with complete and total confidentiality. He will keep things absolutely private. He keeps you as a business owner who is trying to shield yourself from selling your business. He keeps it all private and confidential, and he's brilliant at it. You can learn more about Enline and Enline Business Brokers by going to www.enline.com. That's www.enlign.com. Uh, tell them that you heard about us on A New Direction and Bretton Putter and his book, Culture Decks Decoded, which he so gratefully mentioned Enline. So one of the mistakes, is this a mistake? Maybe it's not a mistake. Correct me. Is So many companies start with a mission statement. Should they start with the culture? So 
I believe that companies should start with the values because the values are the DNA and the DNA of who we are and then the DNA of the company that we're going to start. So a mission, if you have a mission that is just burning a hole through your heart, you've got to do it. That's fabulous. Not every company starts like that. But if you do have that, that's okay. But then move immediately to defining the values because the mission is, okay, this is what, this is what we're doing to get, this is what we're doing to go somewhere. But the values are, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is what's so important to us. So from my perspective, culture is the way we do things around here. And that consists of the values, the mission, and the vision really at, at a high level. You know, I, it's really interesting that you say that because I guess, you know, man, it's, it's, kind of, it's almost circular, isn't it? It's kind of like if you don't have values, you can't have culture. And if you don't have culture, you don't have values. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it, there's kind of this circular thing going on between mission, values, how, the way we do things around here and culture. There's, there's almost a circular, or am, am, am I thinking, am I seeing it wrong? No, no, no. You, you, you're quite right. The, if, if, whether you have a mission or a vision, you, you, those feed into your culture, which feed back into the mission and the vision, and that it, they're all driven by the values. Uh, so the reason, why, the reason why values are so critical to me is, if, if you and I were to, were to join a business and we started a business together, and I wanted to make as much money as possible. That was my focus. Right. And you wanted to save the world or improve the world. That was your focus. And we didn't really come. We, we kind of thought we, you know, we're passionate about this technology we're building, but we haven't really thought about why we're doing it. Mm. At some stage down the line, you and I are going to fall out because I just want to make a lot of money and you want to improve the world and as a byproduct make money, but not as much, you know, different mindset. So those values and what drives us, what motivates us and the behaviors that come through values are, that for me is, is the critical point. Being an ex-recruiter, I then look at how values go into the recruitment process, how values go into right. The, the decision-making processes in companies, how values go into the customer service process, et cetera, et cetera. So I look at values as actually literally like our human DNA. It, it forms us and then it drives us. Mm, 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 I see it. Now, okay, so let's take your example, right? And, and, you know, thank you for making me sound so, you know, glorious, like, you know, I'm trying to save the world and, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, but could, could we merge those? Can we say, you know, you know, profitably saving the world? Could that be, I mean, is there a way that, is there a way that we could make those two merge or is that not necessarily possible? Uh, it certainly is possible. It just depends on, really who we are and, and, and are we, how, how flexible are we? So if you and I um, both agree that, you know, this technology can have a great impact and making a good profit is the right way to build a business that's sustainable and by changing the world, 
you know, and resulting in changing the world, then I think that's all that's fine and good. But it's really, really important to have a very clear understanding of what the end goal is. Right. You know, do you, if, if we're on, you know, if, 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 if you were a hippie, let's say, right. and I was a bank, a banker, those two should not collide. Got it. Um, Got it. So really it's working it out. And, and often company, uh, you know, when companies are founded, the problems are, built, are slightly baked in because people don't spend enough time defining their culture. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to be honest with you. This whole idea of the SlideShare culture decks is was so new to me that the more I was reading them, and and you took me through all these different steps that you know I was pointing out to the folks who are listening and watching. As I was going through, the, the more I kept reading through these culture decks, the more I kept saying, "Man." why are, why am I not putting this out there and being that transparent? And, you know, you make such a huge point about transparency because there's something, I think there's something really powerful about that transparency. And right. I mean, there's, I mean, there's something really powerful when you're willing to put yourself, your business, that type of transparency out there. It's huge. Um, and it's not only not only is it huge because it demonstrates you have nothing to hide, but transparency means that I'm open to criticism. I'm open to questioning. I'm open to being questioned on certain things. So if I say, you know, this is the decision we've taken and this is why we've taken this decision in an, in an environment where everybody feels, you know, we're autonomous, we, we're um, able to ask questions, people are going to say, well, you made that decision to take us through that thinking process. Mm. And people may then go and say, actually, you know, that's not, we disagree with that. This is our feedback, mm. which then builds a stronger business. Transparency results in feedback, which results in a, once again, the virtuous circle you were talking about, which feedback means I grow and I learn because I, because I accept feedback and I'm prepared mm. to work on it. And then I then I am transparent again with my next communication and so on. So you create that virtuous circle of communication, critical feedback, learning, adapting, integrating, and then communicating critical feedback. So transparency as a company allows your team to be able to go and say, hold on. You know, we disagree with that process. It, it actually makes the business stronger. It makes the business more robust. Mm. And the companies that are the most transparent, you can see that they achieve great success. Then you have, on the other hand, Apple, which is the exact opposite of transparent. And they have their way of working, but that culture works for them. Right. But personally, I, you know, I would, I, I'm very transparent in my business. Right. We all know what the numbers are. We all um, know where the business is headed and we all know what we're aiming to do. And I share the numbers on a monthly basis. We, you know, we, when we bring somebody new on board, we share the board packs, um, we share the financial statements because if people have all of this information and data, they can make better informed decisions. Right. Yeah. And, and it's attractive, isn't it, to a, a potential employee? 
I mean, it makes Absolutely. makes recruitment easier, I guess is a better way of saying it. Yeah, it, it, it's, it shows the employee that there is a, first of all, if you're being transparent and the business is doing well, that's great. If you're being transparent and the business isn't doing that well because it's going through a different, difficult stage, that even that demonstrates to the employee this is a great place to work. So absolutely, it's, it's very effective with, when you're working with employees and when you're working with um, potential employees as well. Uh, we're talking with Bretton Putter and this book, Culture Decks Decoded, uh, Transform Your Culture into a Visible, Conscious, and Tangible Asset. Uh, if, if you can't tell, Bretton is not from the U.S. <laughs> if you can't, he works in the U.S., <laughs> by the way, but if you can't tell, he's actually in Romania, which I am so honored and privileged that he would take his time away from his family and uh, be able to give me an hour of his time to talk about his book and 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 do this for me especially it's so close to the holidays i found i i gotta tell you something that you did for me and i want to share the story so i'm consulting this company and they didn't have a clear culture and i was going through and i was thinking about the ceo and what he values and you know who he is and we're not a it's not a very big company but they do actually you know they do over 10 million a year and growing they're continuing growing and it's grown every year and so they're a new newer company and as i read your book I, I realized that we don't really have a culture and so i was thinking about the values and i was putting together this cultural statement and i put together a culture statement for him and based on his values and i sent it over to him and i said how does how do you feel about this and he said oh my gosh this is us and which, first of all, was very flattering to me because I felt like I nailed it, but I would not have done that had I not read your book. Well, I had to, I, he asked me to be on an interview for a major C-suite person to come on board and asked me to conduct the interview. And because I had written this cultural, cultural value statement out there that I, that I, that I wrote, because I had written it, it was so easy to do the interview because I knew exactly what I was looking for and could build my questions around what my culture was. It was, yeah. it was genius, Breton. It's, it's total, it, you're, the, the, what, you, what you've created here, if people will wrap their minds around it, your hiring process is so much easier, right? Yeah, it's. I'm not. To be fair, I'm not going to say it's. 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 It's so much easier as a process. But the interview, the interview part of the process, where you're evaluating, does this person fit with our values and who we are, is certainly so much easier. Because what normally happens is a an interviewer will try and work out their gut instinct. Does this, how does my gut feel about this? How, you know, what do I feel about this person? And if you define your values as part of your culture definition, then you can, as you exactly as you did, you can interview against values. And if you interview against values, that is the most powerful tool you have in your armory to avoid hiring the wrong type of person. It is incredibly important. And, and I don't know, I think companies don't do this. And this is, I, I just don't, I, I kind of do understand, but I don't understand why. Because if you interview for values fit, 
then you're interviewing, does this person work the way we work? Do they think the way we think? Do they operate the way we operate? And it removes the need for gut instinct or will back up gut instinct. It's really, really powerful. And I'm, Jay, you picking up that point in that book makes me incredibly happy because it's the biggest bugbear I have as an ex-executive search consultant recruiter is people don't understand that this is such a powerful tool in their armory. It, it, and, and let me go further with this because I believe in the behavioral interview and looking at a person's history of behaviors, right? So you can ask questions to get at a person's history of behavior. One of the values in our cultural statement is we are fiercely competitive, right? So it is really easy to ask the question, you know, tell me about a competition that you lost or tell me about a competition that you won. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you played soccer and, mm -hmm. and you know, you were the goalie and you, you let the winning goal go by. I want to know because I want to know what you felt. Because if you feel that hating to lose is more intense than loving to win, I probably, that's, a, that's a good for me. Because I know, yeah. I know about fiercely, as being a fierce competitor, losing hurts me far more than winning thrills me. It, it just, it, losing drives me crazy. So, and I know that that's true of our CEO of the company I'm consulting is that he is a fierce competitor in everything that he does. And he loves people who will compete. And so I was setting up my interview as I was sitting on my interview questions, I was getting at the behaviors of what are the questions that you can ask of a history of that competition. This is the beauty of what you gave me in the, in this book. Well, thank Thank you, Jay. It's um, it's actually the beauty of, of, of that situation where you ask the question about their competitive nature is actually if you ask a behavior-based question, the next natural question leads you deeper into the onion of the person. So right. if they hate losing and they, you know, you ask the question of when last did you, did you end up in the situation and they explain it to you, you can ask, why did that happen? How did it feel? Yes. What did you do to change that? Yes. And you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and get a real sense. Is this, does this person really mean it? Right. Or are they just trying to tell me what they think I want to hear? Yeah, no, I eventually got to the question. So how did you recover from that? Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, right? Great question. Right? Because So how did you recover from that loss? Right? Because that was going to tell me, okay, how powerful was this loss? Hmm. Right? How powerful was that for you? Because... I got to tell you, when I lose, I, I dwell on it for days. You know, I wanted, and I wanted to hear that. I wanted to hear, well, this was a tough one. I had to go to my workshop for four days and lock myself away from my wife and children. I was like, okay, I got it. Okay. Okay. That's enough. I think I got it. But it, but the, the book, the book, as you pu pulled it out together, really guided my entire interview process and my behavioral interviewing and and by the way folks i think you should really study behavioral interviewing because uh even britain talks about you know that some companies really structure their cultures in terms of behavior which makes it so much easier for them to interview because nobody could get in trouble for a history of behavior okay i mean you can't you, you can ask that, those questions all day long without it without it um, hurting you and again brett and putter 
is uh, the author. I, I know I probably say Bretton Brown. I, if I did, I apologize. It's Bretton Potter, P-U-T-T-R. Again, I had two guests, close names, and I have to be very, very careful. Um, let's talk about the way we work around here. Because that falls out of this whole culture value statement. What do we mean when you say the way we work around here? What are we talking about? So what we're talking about is how culture forms when the team watch the founders, the CEO, and one another learn what works in their business. So let's say you and I start a new business and um, we are we're trying new ideas. We're trying, we try this type of marketing. We try that type of sales pitch. This one doesn't work. That one works. And then so, okay, so that's one way of doing it. And then that we know that will work with that type of customer. Then we try something else and then we learn another way of doing it. And then, you know, the way we work around here, does that include transparency or not? Does that include honesty or not? Does that, so it's about the way we work around here is about understanding um, what works in the organization. Mm. How have we learned to assimilate this culture? So some companies are fully remote. Um, everybody, there's no headquarters, there's no office. The way they work around here is through Skype, through um, different online technologies. They meet once or twice a year, but that's the way they work. Versus companies that you know, everybody meets in the office. They all get together in the office every day and they work in a certain way. They have a meet, meeting cadence. They have a communication cadence. They have a, a fun um, letting their hair down opportunity cadence. It's the different ways that companies work. And it's, and it's, it's radically different in each company. Some companies are very similar. Um, you know, you're going to get banks work in a very similar way, but that's very different to a fully remote startup where that has people around the world communicating once a day on Skype. So the way we work around here defines how we learn about our culture and how we learn about what succeeds with this business. Yeah, you know, when I was looking at how we work around here, I, I thought, you know, okay, here you, they have this beautiful culture statement. And then I saw, okay, this is how we put the culture into action, right? That's kind of the way I saw it was like, this is this is the reality of that our culture or value statement is if you want to see that at work this is the way we work around here that's that's that was kind of my interpretation of it and, that's exactly right and and i thought you know it's really interesting because you know we always say typically we 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 typically regularly say at least you know you know put your put your actions where your words are and and I think that's the way when people are in this slide, this uh, slide share deck and they say, this is the way we work around here is they're saying these are the actions to back up what we just said. And I thought, you know, I thought some companies actually did a better job of that than others. I'll be completely honest. I, I sometimes, I've sometimes felt like Nordstrom was still living off of 1930 uh, <laughs> occasionally. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really did like, and, and trust me, listen, Nordstrom is tremendously successful. So if people from Nordstrom, I'm not bashing you. Listen, I, I've been to the very first Nordstrom store in Spokane, Washington. So I'm not doing anything to bash you. It's just that it was very interesting to me comparing you to Netflix or HubSpot or something else that 
I just found that it was more archaic, if I could say that, and it's working for you, clearly. If it wasn't, you would be closing a ton of stores. But I did find that a little bit interesting, that some some companies were just better at this than others in terms of being more upfront with it. And, and that's I, why... Go ahead. Sorry, Jay. That, that's why That's why I, you know, I, I, dif- I did choose different companies and I did choose different slides from the various slide decks because... Not every not every company is going to be a Netflix. Not every company can be a Netflix or a, a Valve. Um, you're going to get fairly traditional companies, but those companies, there's no reason why they shouldn't have a deck as well because there are unique pieces of their culture that um, are relevant. And, and the one thing I really love about the Nordstrom culture, and I agree with you, it is a little bit, in comparison, it's not as edgy. Um, but what I love about the Nordstrom culture is they reference to we we remember that we are on bended knee right. helping a person put on a shoe. Right. We are at we are at service to them, right. and we are there to service the customer in the best way possible. And I just think that's amazing. It's it's a, it's a beautiful way of describing that culture, which has been around for as long as it has. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I do. I listen. I am a big fan of servant leadership. Right. I'm a huge fan yeah. of it. I, I believe that if you want to lead, you lead, you serve. And and there is something about always keeping in mind that their first salesman, and and I'm I'm old enough to remember when salesmen when you went to get your shoes, the salesman was down on bended knee. And they were fitting your shoes. They were putting the shoe on your foot. You never put your own shoe on your own foot. The salesman put the shoe on your foot. And if you think about it, how many stinky feet did they s- smell? You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, right? I mean, and yeah. yet that was that. But they were willing to do that regardless of the smell of your feet because that they recognized that that was how they served others. And I do find that still to be, I, I don't find that archaic at all. I find that to be beautiful. I, I, Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I find that to be beautiful. And I, I find it to be a recipe for tremendous success for, uh, if you're looking for a model of success, I, I, I think you'll agree with this. I think you and I are on the same page with this. If you're, if you're starting a company, you're trying to figure out how can we be successful, start on bended knee. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's that the, the, at the end of the day, the, 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 the if you if you start on bended knee as the CEO and the first person or the first level you bend down to are your people, and then they bend down to your customer. In, in that in that reference point, then I think you 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 know that servant leadership, um, which I'm a great uh, proponent uh, a fan of, is is uh, demonstrated in that way. We're talking to Brett and Putter, uh, two T's in both names, B-R-E-T-T-O-N, P-U-T-T-E-R. And you can find him at brettonputter.com. How easy is that? Two T's in both names. He wrote this brilliant, amazing, outstanding, what you should buy for Christmas for yourself, for others, for your entire staff, for your entire team. It's called Culture Decks Decoded. It is transform your culture into a visible, conscious, and tangible asset. The book is brilliant. I'm telling you, it is a life. It, it, it changed. In the time I read this book, it has changed what I'm doing as a consultant. I don't care if you're a new company, if you're an old company. 
why don't you take a second look at your culture? Are you having some issues in recruitment? Why don't you take a look at this book? And why don't you, because I'm, if you would do the things that you're seeing that he has researched and done for you, so you don't have to do it, you could probably do yourself a favor in recruitment, a huge favor in recruitment just by putting your culture out there. And Brett and Putter is brought to us by Enline. Uh, Enline represents profitable privately held companies with a gross annual income of revenue, a gross annual revenues in excess of over a million dollars or more. Enline delivers the highest market value in the shortest amount of time with complete confidentiality. Learn more online at Enline. That's www.enlign.com. Again, it's www.enlign.com. Bretton, you've, you, we've been on an hour. It feels like 15 minutes, to <laughs> be honest with you. Uh, I always ask, first of all, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. I ask every guest if they will, because the show is called A New Direction, if you could leave the listeners that are, that are around the kitchen here listening into the show with a new direction for, for their business or for their business or whatever they're doing when it comes to business culture, what would you leave them with? I would suggest to them that the future of work and the future with where we're heading as a society, as a, as a business society, is about understanding why we're doing things, what we're doing, and, and, and making a difference with what we're doing. It doesn't matter what type of business you run. And um, defining, understanding, defining, embedding, and reinforcing that culture and just doing a great job for customers, for partners, for investors, for employees through a culture-driven mindset is the, the, it is the future. Whether it's in two years or five years, everybody's going to be thinking more and more about this. And Jay, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I, I have really enjoyed this and would love to spend some time with you again in the future. Um, I've got a second book coming out in three to six months, depending on how quickly I finish it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I, it's all about culture and the interviews I've done with company culture, with companies. So uh, would love to, to catch up with you again sometime in the future. Oh yeah, we're going to do this. I'm, I'm going to have you hold on. By the way, the new book that's, that'll be coming out is called The Culture Gene, by the way. Uh, Leadership and Culture Development, Lessons from High Growth Companies is the next book coming out. And uh, you're, you're not going to want to miss that for sure. Culture Decks Decoded, I'm holding it up again for everybody to see. Uh, pick it up right now. Bretton, hold on with me a little bit as I tune us out of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been with us, and I want to thank you again for being with Bretton and I on A New Direction. He's been so gracious. He, he's at Romania with his family, and he was so gracious to give me this time, and I'm grateful for him. But I'm grateful for you because you listened to the show, and you've been so kind to just give us such great feedback and responses and, and I am grateful for that. So folks, as I tell you all the time, be inspired because when you're inspired, you can inspire someone else. And when we inspire others, they can inspire others, which in turn can make this world a tremendous place. So be inspired, ladies and gentlemen. I will talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody. When you lost your confidence And the answers don't make sense Got to keep your hope alive. You got to know you can survive.
Direction. A new direction. 